For us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the fact of history that establishes the truth of Christianity. Yet, skeptical philosophers of our modern age think that no one can believe in this miracle anymore. Welcome to the God-Centered Life with Josh Moody. Today, taking a look at the book of John, the 20th chapter. The study is called, That You Also May Believe. Josh Moody is senior pastor of College Church located in Wheaton, Illinois. Thanks for joining us for this study today. Uh, Josh, uh, we're going to be looking at the resurrection. Now, here we are... It's not Easter. Resurrection is reserved only for Easter, isn't it? Oh, once a year. That's, once that's, a year. <laughs> we'll never talk about it any other time. And uh, but of course, the, the resurrection is the great, is the heart of the Christian faith, and therefore deserves uh, regular, frequent revisiting. The sense I got listening to this message, Josh, is yeah. that we've gone to the center, the power right. core. Mm-hmm. There is so much here. Yeah. Buckle up. Here we go, John, chapter twenty. That you also may believe. Here's Josh. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary of Magdala went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. For us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the fact of history that establishes the truth of Christianity. Yet, skeptical philosophers of our modern age think that no one can believe in this miracle anymore. Even a bishop in 1988 called the resurrection a juggling trick with bones. But this doubt is really a result of an assumption. It is assumed that ancient people thought that resurrections happened easily enough. It is assumed that modern science proves miracles impossible. As a non-believing friend of mine once uh, told me, ah, in those days... They often buried people alive. Well, with these assumptions, you can come to the story of the resurrection already predisposed not to believe it. And with these assumptions in place, ever more impossible things 
are suggested to explain the remarkable growth of the New Testament church. Vast, peaceful, sudden. One said that the disciples had had a mass hallucination. A book from the 1970s even claimed that Jesus was the name for a magic mushroom the disciples used to eat. A scholar argued that the resurrection was an infection. It was an infectious vision that infiltrated other minds. You know, I think I could list more than six impossible things you have to believe if you deny the resurrection. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to show you that the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is actually a far more believable explanation than the alternatives. And to do so, I want us to look at this passage in John chapter 20. And first of all, notice this. Notice, will you, that seeing alone is not believing. Mary saw the empty tomb, so did Peter, but only John believed straight away. They saw the same things. The strips of linen, the burial cloth, the stone rolled away. But at this point in the story, only John believed. Why? Well, because seeing alone is not believing. You can come in here this morning and see the beautiful architecture. You can see me behind this pulpit. And you can conclude that God is in this place. Or you can conclude that old-fashioned Christianity is once more putting on its Easter bonnet. Seeing, of course, can lead to believing, but it does not always do so. In fact, Mary thought that the explanation for the empty tomb that she saw was that someone had taken the body away. She later came to believe when she met Jesus personally. There is a very large difference between seeing the facts and embracing the truth. You see, our trouble today is that we have a wrong understanding, not so much of seeing, but actually of believing. We think belief is something that is used to make up for lack of information or lack of facts or lack of evidence. And so today when someone says, I cannot believe that, What do we think they mean? We think they mean that they do not have enough information or enough evidence or the facts are not sufficiently persuasive. And so we talk then sometimes in religious circles, people talk of a leap of faith as if faith is something that helps you jump from the facts, which are rather insufficient, to the land of make-believe, flying across like Peter Pan. In some ways, I think the best summary of this contemporary but very mistaken view of faith is found in um, Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. The hero, Langdon, is explaining to Sophie, one of the other protagonists, the definition of faith. Here it is. Sophie, every faith in the world is based on fabrication. That is the definition of faith. Acceptance of that which we imagine to be true, that which we cannot prove. 
But that is not faith at all. Knowledge is having a million dollars. Faith is spending it. Knowledge is having information about your neighbor. Faith is making your neighbor your personal friend. Knowledge is seeing the empty tomb. There it is. Mary saw it. Peter saw it. Faith is worshiping the risen Lord. Faith does not make up for lack of information or evidence or facts. No, faith is trust. Faith is relational glue. It is not informational fantasy. And you see, that is why all the reports agree that the first response of at least many of those who saw the empty tomb was not worship. Oh no, it was shock. Surprise, fear, astonishment. Mary saw, but did not yet believe. Peter, the same, did not yet believe. He saw, but did not yet believe. Seeing may not be believing, but there's a twist to that coming up. First, though, I wanted to let you know that this is going to be your final opportunity to swing by our website and add a fantastic title from Pastor Josh to your devotional library. He would love for you to have it. We would love for you to have it. And in return for a gift of any amount, you'd be supporting the distribution of biblical teaching. We'll tell you more at the end of the program. Meantime, back into John chapter 20. Here's Josh. I first want you to notice here that seeing alone is not believing. But then second, I also want you to notice that seeing with love is believing. So yes, Mary did not at first believe, nor did Peter, but John did. Now, lots of explanations for why John first believed when he saw could be given. But the text seems to suggest that love was involved. We are reminded here that this disciple, John, was the one whom Jesus loved. This does not mean that Jesus did not love the other disciples, but it does mean that Jesus viewed John as an especially close friend. And this relationship with Jesus perhaps gave John the intuitive grasp of the meaning of the facts, of the interpretation of what he saw. Peter saw the same evidence. He went first into the tomb, but he did not first believe. John saw and believed because it seems his heart connected the dots. Faith, you see, is more than a head matter. It is not less than, but it is more than. It is a heart matter. It is a matter of our affections. Our emotions are involved. I can have knowledge of the poverty of the homeless. I can have knowledge of the needs of our world today. My knowledge can be encyclopedic. I can write a dissertation on the changing socio-economic balance of developing countries. But when I come to act, it is because I believe. My emotions are involved. That is faith. It's not making up for lack of information. It's making up for lack of commitment. There's the information. There's the evidence. What are you going to do with it? 
human beings, you see, are a thinking, feeling, willing unit. When I have information, I have knowledge. When I act upon that knowledge, I have faith. And no one trusts who is not in some way emotionally affected. The emotions do not go against the facts. They take the facts and turn them into action. It is no longer a laboratory experiment which we look down at from a distance. We are now involved. And as I show you that the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a more believable explanation than the alternatives, I want to show you then that seeing alone is not believing. I want also to show you that seeing with love is believing. But then, most importantly, third, I want to show you that hearing is believing too. Now, this category of being hearers rather than eyewitnesses is hinted at in verse 9. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And it is further explained at the end of this whole section about believing in verse 30 and verse 31. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we are now ear witnesses, not eye witnesses. But hearing is believing too. Oh, I know that many people do not think so, but it seems to me that they are clinging to their outmoded assumptions like a toddler to its blanket. The most recent survey of the evidence for the resurrection concludes that this event of history is as certain as the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. It is not true that people in those days thought that resurrections were the sort of thing that happened all the time. They were as shocked by it as you and I would have been. Greeks believed in the immortality of the soul, not the resurrection of the dead. The Jewish idea of the resurrection was of the resurrection still to come in the future of all God's people. No one was expecting Jesus to rise again. They did not understand this had to be from the scripture. Yet it happened. Not because of a wish fulfillment, but in contradiction to all their expectations. Nothing else but the resurrection can explain the change that took place to the disciples. They were suddenly brave, brave enough to go to their deaths for this truth that they knew was either true or a lie. And as has been said, no one would die for a lie. This text is not written hundreds of years after the event, but within the lifetime of eyewitnesses who could confirm or deny what was now ear witness. The veterans of the resurrection were still alive to speak like the veterans of World War II or the Holocaust today. 
without the resurrection, it is said, we Christians are merely forgiven corpses. But with the resurrection, we have life and power now and for eternity. That is why the first native Indian bishop of the Church of South India, Bishop Azariah, said that the first thing he would preach in a village that had never heard of Christ was the resurrection. Why? This changes everything. New creation has begun. We are new in him. We will rise to the new heaven and the new earth of which he is the first fruits. And in him as Christians, we have now risen to new life as born again believers in Jesus. I know there are those who have said that these accounts of the resurrection are full of mistakes. But actually what we have here is the unvarnished reporting of eyewitnesses who have not collaborated together to make sure that their accounts are all suspiciously exactly the same. As Dorothy Sayers put it, all the differences in accounts can be made to fall into place in a single orderly and coherent narrative without the smallest contradiction or difficulty and without any suppression, invention, or manipulation beyond a trifling effort to imagine the natural behavior of a bunch of startled people running about in the dawn light between Jerusalem and the garden. They were startled by the resurrection. They ran. They ran back. I know that there are very intelligent men and women who have denied the resurrection. Bertrand Russell said in his autobiography, No dungeon was ever constructed so dark and narrow as that in which the shadow physics of our time imprisons us. For every prisoner has believed that outside his walls a free world existed. But now the prison has become the whole universe. There is darkness without. And when I die, there will be darkness within. There is no splendor, no vastness anywhere, only triviality for a moment. And then nothing. But he was wrong. There is light. There is new creation. There is life. He is risen. He is risen In our day with violence, with bloodshed, with darkness, with doubt, with churches around the world needing a new reformation as perhaps never before, with militant Islam pressing against the West, which at the same time, in the words of Tony Eagleton in his 2010 Gifford Lecture, has undergone unilateral spiritual disarmament. Where is the hope? Where is the newness? Where is the life? As never before, my friends, we need to believe and preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ physically from the dead. 
this moment. This began a spiritual revolution marked by a change in the calendar, like the French revolutionaries marked their revolution as day one. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a more believable explanation by far than any of the alternatives. Because seeing alone is not believing. Because seeing with love is believing. Because hearing is believing too. We are now all here. Also, ear witnesses. And all we have to decide is whether we will combine the information, the facts, with trust so that you will leave henceforth from this day on Renewed, new, enlivened, beginning again, a resurrection Christian for the first time. Perhaps you want to sit on the fence. I'm afraid that neutrality is not an option. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the Bible was very clear that we are more to be pitied than any other man. If Jesus did not rise, do not follow him. Why would you? Why follow a rotting corpse? But if he did, and he did, combine the facts with your Trust with your faith and believe and live again. That's Josh Moody, and this is the God-Centered Life. Well, such an important anchor to the power of a vibrant Christian life that it really does make sense to remind ourselves of the resurrection and its power far more frequently than just at Easter. Now, I'm guessing that if we're talking about authentic spirituality, we have to plug into the power of the resurrection at some point, do we not? It's right at the center of the of the whole of what it means to have authentic spirituality is to understand and indeed experience the the power of the resurrection of Jesus in our own lives. This is a fact of history that we can embrace ourselves and therefore uh, follow Jesus in his power. Uh, He disarmed uh, the uh, spirits, the false gods of this age, nailing them to the cross and rose again, demonstrating that he has the victory. And yes, in this book, Authentic Spirituality, we explore this and many other parts of what it means to follow Jesus authentically in our world of so many divergent and confusing spiritualities. And what we picked up on during the course of this study is that spirituality, Mm. spirituality Mm. may happen in some form or another, but when there's no resurrection, when there's no cross, Mm -hmm. it's small s spirituality. It's not authentic. And what we're talking about in the book is pulling together the death and resurrection, the power of those two things Mm -hmm. for the authentic 
spirituality. Yes, and so we're hoping that this resource will be a real blessing and encouragement to you at this time. Thank you for the book, Josh. Thank you for the study. And a quick reminder that this is going to be your final opportunity to go by GodCenteredLife.org and pick up your copy of Authentic Spirituality. If you've already done so, thank you. If you haven't yet, GodCenteredLife.org will be the way to do that. Next time we get together, the best for you. Religion tells us that we can become spiritually strong by performing certain religious exercises, a bit like going to a religious gym. And after all, most areas of life work by the principle of no pain, no game. We assume that spiritual strength is acquired in a similar fashion. Opening up the book of Judges when we get together next time. GodCenteredLife.org, resources for you. And we'd love to have you join us as we continue studying God's Word together here at The God-Centered Life with Josh Moody.